Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone, and welcome on this beautiful St. Patrick's Day evening. My name is Cosgate, and I am filling in for Marty, who is on the line but has a very bad case of laryngitis. She does control the mute button, so I need to behave myself. I have been warned. We also have with us Reverend Ralph. Reverend Ralph, say hello. Good evening, everyone, worldwide. Nice to hear from you. And we should have Marcia Southwick from NASCA joining us later. But before we get started with Marcia, we have a lot of hearings going on. And there was one particular hearing that happened in Pennsylvania just a few days ago. And, Reverend, you were able to log into that and hear part of it. Now, I do know a lot of people were not happy that the the residents and the, the people who reside in Pennsylvania were not given enough notice that such an important hearing like this was happening. And so they just, they didn't know about it. But Reverend, you were able to see, to hear part of it, didn't you? And would you like to let everybody know what you heard when you were listening? Thank you, Cos. Yes, I uh, it was a two-hour uh, summit meeting or video uh, meeting and I saw about an hour and a half again because nobody had gotten advance notice of it. Uh, many people only caught maybe a few minutes at the end. But uh, I agree with Kaz. Uh, I was disgusted, really. That's basically my feeling. I was disgusted with that so-called uh, conference because the fact is all they seemed to have were a bunch of bureaucrats who just patted themselves on the back and at the most they would say is, well, you know, maybe some changes might help or, you know, something to that, you know, uh, to that effect. But nobody said it's broken. It is broken. It is nothing but a scam. And the elderly are warned not to buy things from telemarketers and so forth. But that's not going to destroy their lives. That's not going to take away everything they have. That's not going to put them in a nursing home where they end up getting drugged to the point of being uh, uh, nothing but a zombie. And, again, you've got to look back and think, what more did we expect from politicians? Now, in Pennsylvania last year, a Republican and a Democrat state senators for Pennsylvania, uh, they had a bill, they put together a bill called SB 1333, and it was supposed to have something to do with guardianship reform. Well, it never got out of committee, so it died. So this year, they're introducing a new Senate bill, the same two people, Lisa Baker and uh, I believe it's Wood from the Philadelphia area, uh, and it's SB 506, which again, supposedly is going to do deal with some type of guardianship reform. But the problem is, it's they don't contact the people that are victims. And how can they know what is uh, the problems to be fixed if they don't contact the victims who basically, from all the nice people that have contacted me through my website, protectmyparents.us, they're all going through the same problems where they have no abilities uh, other than a lawyer where they just end up spending every dollar they have while the guardian, they're sucking the money out of the victim's bank account. And from what I understand, 
Nevada uh, introduced or had passed a uh, type of reform for guardianship, uh, which I don't know the details of it, but it seems to have some good effects to it. But uh, wow. what's also interesting, a little side note, I saw an article, it was done by Associated Press uh, this week, and it had to do with if people are on, in a nursing home and they're uh, on Medicaid and the government is paying for that Medicaid for them to be in that nursing home, that uh, it's, after, it's after the government takes everything they own, basically, so now they're dirt poor. Well, under Medicaid, they're giving the victims in a nursing home, they're given an allowance each month. And the horror stories in that article were just so bad, the fact that these people don't even have enough money to buy a new razor to shave with or to buy toothpaste uh, or to buy, you know, for women to buy certain things that they need just for the daily existence of comfort. And in Pennsylvania, uh, the allowance each month is only $45. So basically these people don't even have enough money to buy a soda if they want. I think it's appalling how Uh these politicians can ignore this type of treatment of the elderly after they have made this country so great. Uh, The majority of the men, again, women have served in the armed forces too, but the men that have served in the wars and so forth, they are being treated like there were nobodies. It's like, oh, just jump off a cliff and end it. You know, you're really not that important anymore. And that seems to be the attitude of these politicians. But do you notice every time they're up for re-election, they talk about how they want to help the elderly and they want to, uh, you know, do things for the elderly? Well, they get elected and they don't yeah. even know what the word elderly means, it seems, anymore. So I, I thought that was yeah. very interesting that these people in nursing homes, if they're on Medicaid, they're getting a few dollars each month just for the basics like toothpaste or toilet paper, something to that effect. But getting back to that meeting a couple of days ago, once again, it's politicians patting themselves on the back, bureaucrats saying how great of a job they're doing, and, well, there's always room for a little improvement. No, I want them to see what it's like. I like to have somebody guardianize them and see what they have to go through and see how fast – that they are denied the ability to see their parents or loved ones or whatever, and to have their bank accounts drained. So it's, again, same BS from the same people. Yeah, but now moving moving forward onto the federal level, and this is why we're doing this show, now everyone grab your pen and paper because I'm going to give you an email address. So there is a committee it's the U.S. Senate Committee on Aging Hearing. And everyone in the United States, not just Pennsylvania, but everyone, needs to email their – it's a hearing. They need to email their experience in, with guardianship, with probate court. You need to keep it no more than five pages. And the deadline to get this in is March 23rd. I'm going to give, you the e- I'm going to give everyone the email address. Get your pen and paper, and you can also see it on this promo that we put up if you don't have your pen and paper. But the email address is guardianships, G-U-A-R-D-I-A-N-S-H-I-P-S, at aging, A-G-I-N-G, dot senate, S-E-N-A-T-E, dot gov, G-O-V. So it's guardianships at aging, dot senate, dot gov. And I did hear that someone that that we know in the guardianship stuff has a couple days ago did submit the letter and they were called back and they were going to be videotaping a Zoom call that would be presented at this hearing. So this hearing is not just about Pennsylvania. This hearing is involving everyone in the United States. It's a really big deal. It's exciting that maybe our voices are going to be heard. And we do have Marsha Southwick of NASCA is on the line, and she has such a wealth of knowledge about what this Senate committee is looking on. Marsha, can you hear us? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Well, yes. Welcome. Thank you so much. And like I was telling I know you logged in a little late, a little later. Marty's on the line, but she's got a bad case of laryngitis. So oh, we all have to. I, 
Hi, Marty. Yeah, she's... Hi, Marty. Yeah, hey, Marty. Marty wants everyone to know she controls the mute button. So we have to be on best behavior. And I always like to say nice stuff about Marty behind her back when she she lets me talk. And she's, you know, Marty, I always think she's like the anti-glory hog. I'm not allowed to say really wonderful, flowing things about her. But, you know, I always want to. She reminded me, cause. I would control the mute button. So, Marty, I hope you're approving so far. You're not going to mute us out, but we love you, and we are going to behave, right? We're all going to behave. So, Marcia, tell us what you know about this Senate committee, and I also know that there's some uh, um, important legislation that NASCA has been working on. Take it away. uh, Okay. Um, Well, let's see where to start. Um, what uh, what we're going to do? It would, I think there there are three options, aren't there? You you can write about your case. You can write about suggestions for the guardianship system to to improve it. And wasn't there one more? I forget. I've forgotten what it was. But anyway, we're going to write in about what we um, think would be best. You know, the reforms, right? Because I've been working awesome. on that. With I went to the um, the fourth national guardianship summit which what we did was there were 75 um delegates and we worked on a document to hand as a model for what kinds of legislation should happen within the next how the guardianship system can be improved in the next you know until the next conference in 10 years right and that's usually what the wings it wings. I've forgotten the the actual words for wings, but it's an organization for reform, and they they usually take up these suggestions and start going. They start going on them. So, the, and the first, the very first suggestion we came up with was to adopt the uniform conservatorship, guardianship, and other protective. Uh, what is it? Other protective arrangements act. And and it's a great piece of legislation. It was it was um, put together, but well, our president was on that committee, and many others. You know, it was a pretty big committee, about maybe twenty or so. And they they and the the amazing thing about these people, because I, I met some of them at the summit, was that these people know the laws in every state. They differ like crazy. I mean, they're very wow. different in every state. And you know somebody says, well, no, in in, in uh, Delaware it's like this, whereas in Maryland it's like that, whereas in Oregon it's like this. And you know, I'm, I just can't believe these people, but they really know their stuff, and they've been working on this, on really trying to improve the guardianship system for many years. The problem is all the lobbying, you know, by moneyed interests that that stop the progress, right? But this time. I really think uh, they mean business because they've been, you know, Elizabeth Warren had, or Susan Collins, both of them had the the Guardianship Accountability Act, which is pretty much what this is going to be, I think. Um, it's pretty much what they wanted to do there. But um, I think and the first thing they say there is that the model law ought to be adopted by states. So the model law is pretty amazing because it shifts guardianship from being, I mean, very patronizing, right? You know, as uh, Reverend Ralph was saying, let them try to be in a guardianship for once and see how they like it. So what this yeah. does is it says, okay, now let's say you are a person going into guardianship. You're you're being considered for, how would you want to be treated? Well, first of all, you wouldn't want to be treated as just an incapacitated person, right? You, you would want to be treated as somebody who has a life, dignity, respect, and so forth. So basically right. what this does is it shifts the focus from incapacity, they don't really even bring that up, to what the person actually needs. And it says that you cannot put a guardianship, guardianship is forbidden, forbidden if there are any other alternatives. Ooh. And there are. I mean, there are plenty of them. There's supported decision-making, and there's a lot in the – act about that then there are uh, you know powers of attorney you can do that 
So, you know, they could theoretically, after the fact, say, don't you have a power of attorney? And she could say, I want my kid to be power of attorney or whatever. In other words, it slows the process down. They can't just put a guardianship on somebody. They have to decide, are there other solutions? Maybe they just need, you know, a better medical, uh, maybe somebody closer by, power of attorney. Who knows what? But there are alternatives. Anything that can work to replace guardianship will be the preference, has to be the preference of the court if they adopt this. Then the other thing it does, oh, it yeah. doesn't really evaluate you right away. It doesn't, there's no uh, doctor evaluation right away. Instead, what happens is the the visitor, court visitor, um, they have court visitors now who do the quote-unquote investigating. Well, they're kind of bogus. But this would ma- mean it's yeah. a much bigger <laughs> thing they've got to uh talk to people that they have to talk to their physician you know the person's physician which is great because usually those people are ignored and not even allowed in the court right so right and the guardian usually switches to their doctor so that right the ward doesn't even get to use their doctor that's known them for decades that's right that's right so this it, it includes much more of the person's life in other words they really investigate the person's life, who they are, what they've done, you know, talking to relatives, friends, and stuff like that to figure out what they, they just don't make a decision on their own. They have to really back it up. So the the attitude is very different uh, because now what you're doing, instead of slamming a guardianship on someone, you have to say, no, wait a minute, what does the person actually need and what don't they need? Well, they need rails in their house because they're in a wheelchair or something like that. You know, there are all kinds of provisions they can make if a person is capable of doing quite a bit. They don't need a guardianship. They need other services, right? So that's one option, supported decision. But here's one that really dovetails into the 22 recommendations we made, and that is, there are all these pipelines to guardianship, automatic things that happen. For example, when a special needs kid turns 18, um, often the schools and everybody thinks that the only option for them is to have guardianship when they turn 18. Automatically, they're just kind of railroaded into that. And as you know, with Jenny Hatch, he fought that, said, I don't want that. I, I'm capable of having my own job and my own friends. And so she kind of broke the broke the veneer of that. And so that's one pipeline that there needs. So the, the idea is the summit thought that there ought to be a lot of training going on about these alternatives, you know, lots of support for people who are, are facing these things, you know, and diversion programs where you stop it before it starts. You go to schools and you, you know, schools educated that there are, are these other alternatives and and parents don't know. And so all these things can be done in terms of education to stop that from happening. And then that's just one example. That's thousands and thousands and thousands of kids, right, that, would, that don't have to be yeah. in these group homes. You know, they're stuck in group homes and stuff. Um, you know, I've got right. a lot and of I mean, and and we do know, like even in Montgomery County, is really one of the most awful stories is that they get then they're isolated from their family in these homes and they're molested. Right, it's that's disgusting. right. That's right. Yeah, and so and, uh, I mean, so, you're right. That's not just the elderly. Yeah, it's just, and then another one is, um, for example, hospitals and nursing homes. Nursing homes will. Uh, take over, do guardianships to get their bills paid, and that's not right. That's got to stop, you know? Mm-hmm. In other words, somebody doesn't yeah. pay their bill, oh, let's just put them in guardianship and take everything. You know, you can't, that, that's right. not right. So, you know, right. and the other, um, the, the worst one, I think, is hospitals because really a lot of their problems, and they have a lot of problems because they need to move patients. There are lots of People coming in and out, and they got to move somebody, right? And they can't get anybody called. They call around. They try to figure out where the family is. They can't. So what ends up happening is they get put in a guardianship just so they can be moved around from here to there. And so wow. what, the, what the new, what the act says is 
one of the alternatives to guardianship is something called single orders from the court. So let's say, for example, your mother won't go into the nursing home, just won't. She has to. She needs to. She's, she's wandering. She's doing all these other things. You can't control it. She's angry or whatever she is, hitting people, who knows. But let's say, and I'm not sure this would be a real case. I mean, I'm just giving an example of how it could work. You can mm-hmm. go to court and say, look, my mom refuses to go to a nursing home. The court says, okay, we'll order her to go. And then you do that. You don't have to put her in a whole guardianship. Because probably right. when she gets into the home, you know, things like that, or moving somebody from uh, from a hospital to rehab, a lot of times that's where they get taken over. Um, so they're just yeah. all these circumstances where people fall through the cracks and what the uh, uh, the uh, Eucopa, as it's nicknamed, what it tries to do is slow the process down so you don't just come to automatic decisions in 15 minutes. And one thing that it does right. is, is you, for the, this is wonderful, it, the most important thing is it provides you have a right to counsel uh, to a lawyer who doesn't just say what's best for you, doesn't determine what's best for you, but fights for your rights. So you have an attorney defending you in court, and that's a huge change. And if you can't afford it, they would appoint you one. But the cool thing is that if you go, when you go to court, you, you have to go to court. They can't just say, oh, the person's too, too out of it to go to court. You go to court or they bring the court to you at your place, whatever, and you and your lawyer can cross-examine everybody. You can cross-examine the person who's putting you under this. And they and the other change is it changes from hearsay to clear and convincing evidence. That's a much better standard. Used to, yeah, so that's a much better Yeah, hearsay standard. is what they love. I mean, they accuse the family all the time, including on me, yes. hearsay. No and they Yeah, yeah no, evidence, no evidence, and they just railroad the family. So, I mean, here, like being devil's advocate, how is the corrupt attorney going to make their money now? I mean, they have to figure out how to well, get around say, it. Like, what do you feel? Because they're living. Let's, let's say you're Peter Max, you know, and all yeah. these people are, you know, they're trying to get your, they're try, well, not him, but somebody really wealthy, like Britney, Britney Spears, okay? Okay, you're Britney. So Britney yeah. Spears, she tried to hire a lawyer three times. And they, the court refused mm-hmm. her. And that is why she stuck in that guardianship for 13 years. Finally, she got the court to consent. And that's how she hired that, that federal prosecutor who came in and just smashed that guardianship to bits. So what I think yeah. is, you know, if you have the money and they're going to steal it, you might as well have the ability to hire a lawyer, a lawyer and really get on these people for what they try to do. And that's what this is. Yeah. a real breakthrough. It's a real breakthrough to have an attorney standing up for you, you know, saying this person wants to be here, wants to be with family. Um, they have this resource, that resource, this person looking after him, that person looking after him. Um, and, ha- okay, Mr. So-and-so, you said that she was, she was um, singing naked out in the street. Do you have a photo of that? You know, I mean, you know, you can really, you can really, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's a totally different, it's a more like a real courtroom. It's much more like a real courtroom. It's not like this parental, oh, let's take care of you. Let's just put you in jail. You know, the kangaroo I mean, court. And then, then of course, it wow. has, the other, the other good thing that's really good about it, it has freedom of association. You know how we've been doing those visitation bills, right? Well, now they have it in mm-hmm. here, and it's basically that you can't isolate uh, you can't isolate someone from a family member or close associate that you know a good friend or or what they do is right when the the minute the petition comes in, there's a list of people that have to be included the fa- any family members, death family members, anybody who's taken care of that person for the last six months. And maybe say your minister or anybody you know that's that gets really close to you is put on a list. 
Now, that list will receive all records. You know, I'm not sure about financial, but the family gets the financials. The, the um, mm-hmm. you know, so there, so what the other shift is that there's so much to say. I don't even, you know, it's all just floating around in my head. But um, another thing that happens is the family, if they receive the records and they receive all notices and stuff, um, they can serve as the ears and eyes of the court. So in in a much better way that means that the monitoring isn't isn't as much of an issue as it would be if you didn't include them. So that's a big step. Now, um, now will they keep, will they still? I have a question. Will they still try and keep the courts closed? Like, let's say, for example, oh, you can't be in here as a witness. You're not a family member, or you're not, you know, because in Jajat or in Pennsylvania, um, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, they kick everybody out of the courtroom. I know Are you going to be allowed to do that? Yeah, it's going to be open whenever possible, whatever that, you know, I don't know. There are all kinds of different okay. scenarios. And, and, right. and of course, and now, you, can close the re- you can close the records if the petition doesn't go through, for example. You don't want to, okay. you don't have to leave those records open. If the guardianship didn't happen, then the 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 court can close the you know the case, I mean seal right. it or whatever. Um, so yeah, what about open, pretty much open? So any so basically okay. people can every anyone yeah, in the so. community can come and watch this. I believe so. Yeah, that I would, believe so. Reverend Reverend Ralph, do you find that I find that to be pretty huge? What do you feel, Reverend Ralph? Okay, well I've I've made some notes here. Um, now, okay. just to start from the most recent, uh, talking about the privacy in courts of these cases. In my opinion, when there's privacy, that guarantees corruption. Because when Correct. these judges can throw this uh, thing out that, oh, it would violate the person's, the victim's uh, privacy and so forth, yeah. I, I, and, and they make it such a large blanket to cover everything, and I went through this with this Judge Weilheimer up in Narstown over on uh, my loved person that I've talked about, was the fact that, you know, the person has friends. They have uh, neighbors and so forth. And when the judge says, well, you can't tell anybody basically about what's going on, well, and I, and I said this to Weilheimer in one time. I said, well, what if somebody says, how is this person doing? Am I supposed to say, I don't know this person, this person, I grew up in a cornfield or something? And Weilheimer said, oh, well, no, you can say the person's all right. Well, again, what is this privacy thing that says, oh, you can't tell anybody about anything and about that victim? So when you have this blanket privacy, it's basically saying all the corruption that we're doing in this court you can't tell anybody about. Yeah, and I had a situation yeah. uh, about 12 years ago where a Florida federal judge, uh, a business was suing me because they were selling fake lie detectors and I was exposing them. Well, they made tens of millions of dollars at it, so they had three different law firms on me. And the federal judge says, well, you're not allowed to tell anybody, and he named all these different things that had been established in the news media of this crooked company selling these fake lie detectors. So basically, they're making me a part of this accessory to the crime. And it's the same thing with this guardianship. You have this case that I'm in where there's Weilheimer, and you have these corrupt lawyers like Jess Koviak and uh, corrupt guardians like Logie and uh, Pam Blummer and so forth. It's guaranteeing they are getting away with all the, the corruption and all the stealing that they are putting on my loved person. So if, if everything is out in the open, that's why we have freedom of the press, the fact that you have the ability for the media and also private individuals to be able to speak up, have that right to be able to speak up. Now, uh, another point I wanted to cover was uh, I feel that when something – when this guardianship happens – it catches everybody off guard. It's something that they've never gone through, and from my experience yeah. in the last two years, nobody even knows it exists. I mean, I've gone to nursing homes and so forth to talk to them as a reverend, and these 
administrators and all at the nursing homes, they have no idea something like this exists. And they know the people, the guardians and the, uh, uh, the lawyers and so forth, they know these people, and these are the people that are committing this uh, guardianship corruption. But they never knew it was going on just because they thought everything was going fine. So this is why yeah. I feel that when it first happens, when this guardianship first happens, it should be a mandatory uh, rule that the family members have a booklet in plain English. And I have to emphasize plain English, not this legalese gobbledygook BS stuff. It's got to be in plain English what the rights are of the victim, what the rights are of the family. And that's exactly what you – Eucopa has that. You, the person has to be served and their family members have to be served and the person has to know their rights in clear English, what their rights are, how they can, how can they, and also how they can get their rights restored. So there's much more emphasis in this particular law on restoration of rights. Anybody can apply for restoration of rights on behalf of you if you're in a guardianship or you can and... Here's the good news. The guardian can't fight you paying out of your estate. If they fight you <gasps> and they lose and they lose, they pay their own damn fees. And so what? it's going to discourage oh. people from, from coming forward and keeping, you know, how they keep you in litigation. You keep fighting year yeah. after year to get out of this thing. Well, after one try, yeah. I mean, if they, don't, if they lose, they're done. They're done. That's it. They can't, unless they want to pay out of their own pockets, then they're just going to, it really stops that, that, that awful thing where the lawyers just use your money to fight you. That's not cool. And that's, yeah. So that'll be, that'll be a lot better, you know? So, and then you the feel- other thing about having, having a courtroom, see, you know, if you have witnesses, you're, you bring in your witnesses, your family, you can bring anybody into the court you want. So, you know, that yeah. that's just a different it's it's not the same as having these quiet deals when you're not even there. I mean, they can still do that in emergency, but Eucopa says that the emergency, you know, you have to have a hearing in 7 days to actually see if it was necessary. You know, was that really an emergency? You you, you have a real check right. on it now where before they would just roll it back over into a, another guardianship, right? Okay, so here's another really good thing, okay? Um, So let's say the person does get into a guardianship. They don't have any other options. I don't know. The person just, who knows? Anyway, so they have a guardianship. Uh, The guardian has to come up with a plan and a schedule of the fees that they would charge. So they're not going to be able to say anymore $325 an hour for shopping. They're going to have to say, for shopping, I'm going to charge $20 an hour, right? They have to do it according to like services. So, again, you know, and then that plan, it's all planned about where the person's going to live, who's going to take care of them, blah, blah, blah. Then the family has a chance to look at that plan and object. So they then they then they revise the plan a little bit, and the other thing that's great about this is if things down the line start not conforming to the plan, that's a red flag, and that's another way you can detect a guardian who's who's not behaving. You know, is well, wait a minute, they're not following this plan. Suddenly the charges are much larger. What's going on here? So it gives the court a better idea of what's what's really happening. You know. This is you know, I have Ralph. another question. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead pause. Well, I just have a quick question because I okay, know that ahead, these, pause. you know, I, I just think of like, for example, in Montgomery County, when they're switching up medications and everything, do families have rights? Because they, they, the guardians in Montgomery County don't want the families having any rights to medical records. They say only the guardian is allowed to have those. How does, how is this going to change? Because in, in well, my opinion, they, that's where the, changing, the, the what's, what's changing is that 
just because, you, let's say a guardian is put in place, that doesn't mean that the power of attorneys for health and finances are trumped by the guardian, right? They used to automatically okay. just take away the powers of attorney, that's but right. that's not necessarily true in this bill. So it's possible, although okay. I think it would be tough, to um, that you have to listen. You know, they're the powers of attorney and you're a guardian, and that's just the way it is. But, you know, they can always go to court and say so-and-so is not being nice and I can't have her be a – I need to – you know, who knows. But the, it, it's at least – right. It, it's it's a stop sign. You know, there there's just yeah. no stop signs in this process at all. So, you know. Right. I mean, there's still going to be stuff because there, there just will be – there will be stuff that still goes wrong, but this is just so much better. I mean, it's like night and day, I think. I was yeah, Reverend Ralph, you had, you had a question. Yes, thank you. Before I interrupt um, it. That's all right. Um, one of the things, uh, a key part of these guardianships before they happen are the so-called evaluations that are done. And yeah. in Pennsylvania, uh, it seems anybody, if they have a Ph.D., and again, I did 41 years of lie detection testing, so I was able to think of these questions uh, before the guardianship. The fact that these uh, anybody that has a Ph.D. and he says, oh, I work with people with memory problems, the court just readily accepts any conclusions or anything he says. And this is a joke because those evaluations just basically consist of paper and pencil tests that anybody can download off the Internet, number one. Number two, I have found none of those paper and pencil tests have any independent uh, accuracy to them. Uh, and number three is the fact that, most important, the so-called psychologist never audio or videotapes the session with the person. So there's no proof that even a evaluation was ever done. And if, he, if this person is putting in his notes that a person couldn't answer a question correctly or something like that, you're talking about legal matters uh, that will affect this victim for the rest of their lives and their finances. Right. And to my knowledge, and, I, and I'm not positive on every state, but the people in these various states that I've talked to, basically there is no evaluation. It's just some psychologist comes in, I talk to some so-and-so, and I came up with the conclusion that they're 100% incapacitated. Well, the evaluations that I do know about, including the one in Pennsylvania, they do not have any questions in there that deal with common sense. Does the victim still have common sense, and does he still know right from wrong? Now, it doesn't matter if they can't name uh, 30 animals in a minute or they can't, uh, you know, give a definition of a certain word or draw a clock and so forth. The fact is, if they still have common sense and if they still know right from wrong, they won't be able to get scammed in any type of financial matter. It gives them more ability to live at home uh, without a person breathing down their neck every minute. And as far as common sense, for example, uh, if it's winter time, if they know to put a coat on before they go outside, or if, uh, if they're making toast and the toast is stuck in the toaster, if they know you can't put a metal fork in there to get it out because you'll get electrocuted, if they know these type of things, I think it really helps that person live independently or in a very yeah. less restrictive type of environment. Now, uh, what, what have you found, Marcia, in other states as far as their oh, evaluation mess. techniques? It's a mess. But what UCOPA does is it says they don't, you don't really have to declare someone incapacitated. What you can do is help them. In other words, instead of doing an assessment where you're evaluating if the person's an idiot or not, you know, you're evaluating what you're doing is you're changing your approach and you're saying – Okay, uh, what does this person need? Okay, they need uh, they need some help during the day. They're not they're not doing X, Y, and Z. So they need nursing here. They need um, somebody to take them to the doctor here. 
They need uh, oh, they can't. They need a special computer because they can't speak. Um, they need. In other words, they start with a list of what the person needs and what alternatives would, you know, could that person do? Maybe there. Maybe there's a like a place where you can get like there's a place a senior center right nearby here. I could go. You know, I could be somebody could take me over there for lunch. You know. That would solve something. You know, there are things that yeah. you can do that solve problems. It's more about solving problems rather than judging someone. There, there, and, then, if, um, and it could be, oh, it can be that there will be an evaluation, but that usually wouldn't happen right away, I don't think. I think it would be, you know, if there are any more questions after that, then they have, they have somebody qualified to do it, somebody who knows um, how to do those tests. Yeah. All right. So Marty has a question. Mar- Marty, Marty texts me whenever she, cause she's got her okay. voice. You know, yeah. Marty wants to know where the, Marty wants to know where the teeth are. What happens to the judge when he doesn't follow these rules? Nothing probably. <laughs> I mean, you know, not everybody's going to do this, but the point is if you have, but the thing is, there are going to be judges who who are bad no matter what. But the but the thing is, at the twenty two our twenty two recommendations in the child welfare program, um, they have a court improvement program that has worked a little better than it did work. And so what we suggested was there needs to be a court improvement program where the money goes. It wouldn't go to in block grants. Marty and I hate block grants and these general grants that go to the states, it would go to the Supreme mm-hmm. Court, the highest court, tribally, and, uh, you know, or in the state, and they, they would decide what uh, what programs to put for the guardianship, um, you know, to help guardianship, you know, to, to encourage supported decision-making and to do all this stuff. It would be earmarked yeah. pretty specifically. It wouldn't just go into the I air. Wonder- I wonder if having more of these things like universal across the country, if it would be easier to impeach judges that wouldn't follow protocol and were still racketeering, such as the judges of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. And also, who are the groups that you feel opposing this sort of thing? Oh, probably. uh, There's a big, I know that from my own experience that, I remember going to Utah, you know, we were trying to get our visitation a lot, Catherine Falk and I were, and I remember yeah. I was saying, you know, there's no, I was talking a lot about the secrecy and this and that, and that there were no real accountability for the, you know, for what's going on. This lady said, this guardianship lady said, well, we have the <laughs> highest ethics. And we have, you know, this and that. We have none of these problems. And I, you know what I said? I said, well, yes. <laughs> and I was referring to to our our other board member Sylvia, whose husband is an el- he uh, repairs elevators. Okay. Uh-huh. And so imagine. So you've got all these codes. You build this thing, and you have codes yeah. you have to follow. And I said to this lady, well, what if you were building an elevator? And you you just said I did it to code, and nobody from the outside ever checked to see if you really did it to code. Well, you would have elevators falling all over the place and crashing, and and that's what's happening right. in the guardianship system because these codes that you have supposedly have. We, who knows if you kept them or not? Nobody knows. It's just oh, your that's word a great for example. it. Yeah. It's yeah, just your that's, word a, for it. that's a great example. Uh-huh. We wouldn't we wouldn't take that in if we were going to go to a restaurant, you know, and they say, oh well, we're we've we've passed all these inspections, you know, you'd want to, yeah, you know, our kitchen's clean, you don't need to look at it, and yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Our, yeah. our, our food our food isn't old. That's yeah, that's not down cattle. Yeah, yeah, no, trust us, it'll taste good. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, because that, you have to draw that line. Like, then if you have to say there's nothing, oh, we, we did everything, right, then then don't yeah, inspect I mean, the restaurants, right. don't inspect the elevators. Yeah, it, you're right, and, and these really, are human lives. Yeah, what really surprised me about that comment 
was I realized that that's what they all said. They all they don't say it anymore, but they used to say that. Well, we have the highest standards. Yeah, but nobody's mm-hmm. checking to see if you're you're obeying those standards. You may be trained, but somebody's got to check. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good example. This is yeah. Reverend Ralph. I, yeah. Uh, this goes back. What you're saying is exactly true, and it goes back to what I was just saying about openness. That if these cases are closed, if the judges close the cases to the public, mm-hmm. then that guarantees corruption. And it guarantees yes. that anything that people are not doing right must be not kept within that to... court. And, again, that invites, you know, other, you know, corruption in other people's cases if these lawyers and guardians and judges think they can get away with it. Right. Yeah, that is true, yeah. the secrecy. they call It's called a star chamber. Just That's go in why there it's great and do, to do their thing. That's why it's great that you should be able to have witnesses come. I remember, you know, my friend Boris, mm-hmm. when he was put in the guardianship, I was getting ready to testify in court, and they said, no, you can't have, you're not coming to court. You're incapacitated. So we, we had all this preparation to go into court, tell our stories, and see that would be under UCOPA, that would happen. You would have that right. And they would have to tell you of now, that right. Wow. I think that's going to be great. I can definitely see NASCA just like getting all the pamphlets done and getting them out to all the different states. I don't know if it, the listeners, you just got to go check out the NASCA website. It's massive. You could not, you couldn't spend a whole day and get through that website. There's plenty of information it's, on there. Yeah. Oh, here's another sure good is. thing about it. Here's one more good thing about it. You know how okay. there was that case? There was that case in Florida where this guy tried to get get rid of his guardian for seven years, and he was living in a hotel room, and he was an engineer, and his lawyer would say, that guy can't, he he would never make any sense in court. He couldn't, he can't absorb information and stuff. It was one of, Ale, of uh, Adam Walter's cases. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, the, the lawyer is saying he can't absorb information. He just doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on around him. And then the thing shifts, mm-hmm. and Adam Walters in his little apartment, and the guy has all these legal briefs he's going over. <laughs> you know? So, oh, you my know, gosh. It's, it's yeah. So, so, so the point is you couldn't get rid of your guardian unless, you, unless that guardian had done something so bad that the court would have to get rid of malfeasance of some sort. Well, Eucopa yeah. says for just cause. So let's say you have a guardian you just can't stand. You can always, they can get rid of that guardian for other reasons other than, for reasons other than malfeasance, which is really good. Really good. Cause, you that know, would have been nice for Harvey to, yeah, uh, Deb Clack, who yeah. didn't think he needed his glasses, hearing aids, or teeth. Now, well, can a guardian good. be held, can a guardian be held criminally liable? Because many of them, as we know, the April Parks and the Rebecca Furleys of the world, right. their people are dead because of the decisions that these people made. Can these right. guardians be held criminally liable? Well, one thing that, that's good about the UCOPA is a lot of states have this, but it says very clearly that they are fiduciaries. So they, they are bound by fiduciary duty. But I still think mm-hmm. um, that it should be that there should be stuff in the criminal statutes about guardianships. And Texas had a a perfect paragraph and it was done by the, the Senate committee justice committee. And uh, I wish I could find it, but it's an excellent law that is basically in the elder abuse statutes. And it says, you know, someone in a position of trust such as a guardian, above all, they list them directly and, you know, they can be prosecuted for abuse. So that's good. I think that's it has awesome. to go into the... Yeah. I really think it has to go into the criminal statutes. Oh, absolutely. Because, because you should be able to... You really should be able to call the cops and just say, look, I'm getting abused. Yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, that should be You know, be one of the, the questions... One of the questions that I had asked when Pennsylvania 
you know, got some extra grant money and I call and they couldn't answer the question. I said, if I'm in a guardianship and I call your, you know, like adult protective services and I say, I am in a guardianship and I am being abused. Will you turn around and say, that's a court matter. We can't help you because that's usually what everyone is told. And they couldn't answer that question to me. And the thing yeah. is, is that can't be the answer. Oh, that's a court matter. We can't help you because that's right. what they do in right. Pennsylvania. That's um, what they do everywhere. I, you know where yeah, people it's a court matter. Had, we can't help you. Where, where people have had luck with dis, they call disability rights and disability rights. I have heard that. Yeah, they will help you usually under the Americans with Disability Act. Yeah, but yeah. they can't do it. Um, they can't, you can't do it for them. They have to actually be the one to call. As okay. I understand it, if a and, relative and does it, they thing, don't do anything. Yeah, and the sad thing is, is that people don't know. People just don't know, and they get caught up in these scams. And then the guardian takes the phone anyway, so they can't make a phone call. Lock them up in a dementia unit, so they you know, they're trapped. So I really feel that as these things start to pass, as hopefully the Senate does the right thing with everybody sending the letters, that we can start getting the information out. You know, like they used to do, you know, don't smoke, it's bad for you, public service messages, put your seatbelt on, public service message. We need to have, like, you need to know your rights, guardianship, public service message, because, you know, the United States is aging. Like, this needs to be a public service message that people know their rights. Yeah, because in my opinion, I believe some of these people who have been put in guardianship are treated worse than a death row inmate. And that, oh, that yeah. can't, that's not okay. It's not okay. What was done to Harvey yes, Witten, yes. Korean War vet, oh, it is not okay. Not okay. Boris, yeah, my yeah. Friend, friend Boris, just, he yeah. couldn't go anywhere. And Reverend, they, yeah, yeah. they took away, they took away his phone and his pictures of his girlfriend, hoping he'd forget her, which uh. of course he didn't. He tried to, he wanted to call her every day. They took away his phone. They had cameras on him 24-7. I mean, it was sick. Oh, my God. It was just really bad. Yeah. yeah. It's very sick. And, like, Reverend Ralph's very special person that he cares about. It, what's being done to these people? I mean, we Marty's been doing the show for 14 going on 15 years. There's never a shortage of guests that can get on these shows and talk about the wrongs that were done to them. And yeah. and the and the court the courts are enabling it and making these things happen and it's wrong and it is encouraging that the Senate is going to do this hearing and once again if you're just now tuning in I want everyone you have till March 23rd you send those emails to guardianships at aging.senate.gov and if you go back onto the promo Marty did get the web the web address is on that promo that you can go back and copy that email address because it doesn't cost you any money to send an email. And I always say this, if you can't even type an email out, quit your complaining because you're not doing anything to help the problem. And there's so many people that will complain and then they won't lift a finger yeah. to, do, to help yeah. to help get anything yeah. done. Like send the emails, do something like you know, it's not for other people to write all the letters for you. You have to write those letters. Cause what should they put in the email? So it sounds okay, I, like I, there's I, some different topic. Go ahead, Marsha. Marsha's got this. Okay. Here's a thought. I think you're you're allowed to write your story. Um, you know, I've read yep. a lot of stories from in Nazca. I've read tons and tons and tons. And all I can say is the most effective ones talk about the loved one under guardianship. Just talk about that. What happened to that person? How were they mistreated? Not about you, your feelings, your your complaints, your this or that. Just what happened to that person that was unfair. And describe it. Don't explain it. Just describe what happened. Don't go into a long explanation, and your story will really hit home. It'll really hit yeah, home. Yeah, write it from your heart. Write it this from your heart. And just uh, describe it. 
one one of the problems I'm having is uh, the judge and the lawyer for my loved person and the guardian. They're claiming that the case is you know private. It's closed. So I, I have been told I'm not even allowed to take a picture of this loved person or a video of this loved person without getting permission from either the guardian or the lawyer for the guardian. Now, what that tells me is the fact that it's called evidence. They don't want anything documented that can be used in court against them, So, which means if it ever came to a legal matter and I said, well, this person's legs were really swollen, if there's no pictures allowed to document it, the guardian can say, well, he's entitled to his opinion, but that wasn't the case. So it's like he said, she said. And I, I like to ask Marcia what, what she thinks or what's, what has she found as far as can pictures be denied uh, to be taken of the uh, victim? Well, they never allow you to take pictures in court at any court. I've never been into a court where they allowed you to have a camera or anything. No, no, I don't mean in court. I mean the person oh. in the nursing home. If you see something, if you see a bruise on the person's arm, unless you get permission of the guardian to take the picture, then which they will never do because it's documented evidence that could be used against them. And this is something I, I find very bizarre that you're not even allowed to document something that you have seen that's a possible crime or injury or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, Marsha, what what have you heard around the country? Can a a person, a relative or whatever, be denied by a guardian or their lawyer to take pictures or videotape of the person? I think they do a lot. They uh, forbid that a lot, but people just do it anyway. <laughs> Well, I was threatened with uh, wiretap violations by a detective in the district attorney's office. He's saying, well, uh, you know, you didn't get the person's, you didn't get the guardian's permission to take a picture, which I did not do, but it was, I was accused of doing so. And this detective in the district attorney's office in Norristown said, well, we can charge you with violations of the wiretap law. Now, that's yet to be explained to me how that could apply. And, Marsha, mm-hmm. I'd like to have your, you know, again, we're not talking about in the courtroom. We're talking about at the nursing home where if you see a bruise, if you see a dead mouse in the person's room, that you are not allowed to take a photograph of that unless you get the guardian or the lawyer's permission of the guardian to do it. Do you know anything about that? All I know is that a lot of people do take pictures and show them show them to lawyers and stuff. I mean, they do take them. They they yeah. put in cameras and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's so, in Montgomery County. I mean, they they, make, they have little spies with the visitation so that they can't get them. But you know, I gotta tell well, we have about a minute and a half left. We just did a sixty oh, minute wow, show, so like Marty that. could yeah yeah. So Marty could get some rest because she still her voice is her voice yeah. is a little weak and and uh, she didn't want to have to stay up too late to hit that mute button on me. <laughs> but I think yeah, I, right. I think I behaved myself. Well, I think she probably almost hit the mute button a couple of times, but I think she resisted. <laughs> <laughs> she sure did. Hopefully, we'll have Marty's voice back next week. Yeah. Hope so. Oops. Yep, yep. We hope we have her next week. And I guess with that, we want to say good night. We definitely want to touch back to this topic, but I want everybody to get your email sent into that Senate, uh, the U.S. Senate Committee on Aging. They're running a hearing. It's so important that your voice is heard. Send your letters of your personal testimonies. Keep it under five pages or also send ideas and solutions, and I know NASCA is going to be a big part of that hearing and sending a lot of ideas and solutions. Thank you so much, Marty or Marcia, cool. for coming on, cool. and Marty and Reverend Ralph. Nice and I just want to real quick these shows. <laughs> these shows are brought to you by Shenanigans and Montgomery County Facebook page, and also by Marcel Reese and the Whistleblower Summit. 
So thank you, everyone, and have a good night. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Good night. Bye-bye.